And welcome to Fascinating Nouns. Now, if you are listening to this transmission, we are still the galaxy's most trusted source for incredible people, places, things, and ideas. Now, together we arrive at this curious nexus point, and we will explore the strange, unusual, offbeat, bizarre, intriguing, interesting, invigorating, quirky, quaint, quizzical, weird, wild, wacky, the fun, the frivolous, and the fringe, plus all the spaces in between. I am your host, Daniel J. Glenn. You know, I think as we go through life, we kind of accumulate different types of people. You know, you got your normal people, you got people that you see once in a while, but you got your odd people, your curious people, your intellectual people. And sometimes you meet people who are incredibly good at a very specific niche topic that you didn't even know existed until they told you about it. Well, that is the exact category that tonight's guest falls into. I'm talking about Yinzarella, who is the owner and operator of a, of a website called Dinner is Served 1972. And as I'm sure you can guess, she talks about dinners in 1972. She really looks at retro recipes and tells you like what people were eating back then, what they're doing now. She's got a lot of antique cookbooks. Really into this whole idea of, I don't want to say antique cooking, but retro cooking is definitely there. Now, I didn't even know this niche existed until I saw that she was doing it and killing it. Now, Yinzarella and I, we went to school together. We went to grad school together. We studied film and television. We did a lot of projects together. So I knew she was into film, television, but I had no idea about this retro cooking thing. I just found out about it. Here's the embarrassing part. She's been doing this for 10 years and killing it on Instagram, on YouTube, on her website. So the problem may have been that when I knew Yinzarella, she was known as Funquita, the love puppy. So what am I supposed to do? How did I know? But let me get this boom right into the first question here, Yinzarella. So when did you go from full-time Funquita into Yinzarella? You changed your online handle and personality. When did that happen? Oh, gosh. Um, I want to say... I think I may have been living in Brooklyn at the time. Uh, so let's say this was 2000, maybe 2007. Um, I don't know why that, but then I started um, with fantasy football, just random leagues, I think on NFL.com. And for whatever reason, I was like, oh, I'm team Yanzarella. And my little icon was the um, Iron City beer logo. <laughs> I don't know okay. what why that came to me but yeah that's that's what it was it was basically my first uh fantasy football team name so i remember seeing that i don't know when i started following you on instagram i have no idea i have, i don't remember i don't remember the first time i saw yinzarella but i remember i was always fascinated with it because i had no idea what it meant where it came from what i didn't mm-hmm. know what it was it was just a total random thing and then about i mean four months ago or something I came across the term Yinzer, and mm-hmm. then oh, you didn't know that beforehand. No well, idea. No, I had no clue. And so I came across that, and it was like, oh, person from Pittsburgh. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> then it like all connected, and I was like, that's where she got it. What a great name. Yeah, I don't. I mean, that's that's. I I just always uh, think it's like, how did no one like really 
glom onto this earlier because uh, every once in a while then I search it and I think there was someone who worked for a WTAE, which is the ABC affiliate in Pittsburgh. And I think they did a Twitter thing with Yanzarella and I mm. think there's someone else who is using it for, um, for other social media. And I think she may be like a fashion type person. Um, but mm. yeah, I, I still don't know why it ended up being me at the, because how did no one else think about that before, like plastering it everywhere and taking it? Yeah. Well, and you don't, do you have it officially? Have you trademarked it? Because someone will just snatch that up from underneath you. Yeah. Um, I know that there were, I wasn't even looking at it. My boyfriend um, was, and he's an attorney, although he doesn't do, you know, like copyright or patent law or whatever. Uh, he looked at it and it, someone filed it. It was to do, um, to use the, the name on, you know, cups, mugs, t-shirts, so on and so forth. And um, I can't remember the date on it, but apparently then it just kind of, they stopped with it. They paused. So apparently there's been no progress with that. That is so weird. Well, I mean, you've kind of taken it over. It's kind of yours, but I would hate to see that get snatched out from underneath you. I mean, I've been the funk lord forever, but there's lots of other funk lords. <laughs> Uh, you know, cause like my first fantasy football team was Funk Lord's Furious Faction. And I've been using that ever since I started playing. See, we have so many things in common, Dan. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> fantasy football is how we just decided to name ourselves. Yeah. Well, it's crazy because we're going to get to, I want to, I want to put a pin in the fantasy football thing. Cause we're going to get back to that. Cause that is, that's a great okay. storyline. I love it. And we can continue talking about that. One of the things that I wanted to, to really, really, I, the whole purpose for this interview is to really answer this one question. And that is on your bio page, it says you're a Nicolas Cage super fan. What does that mean? And how do you express that fandom? I don't know. If, I don't know if super fan, Maybe I'm, I'm reaching with super fan, hmm. but I can say that... Uh, your words, I've, not mine, Yinzarella. Your words, <laughs> not mine. Um, I don't know anyone else personally uh, who loves Mr. Cage as much as I do. And it's not me just like, oh, I know filmography. And although I will say, I was going to say, and it's not like I have pictures of him, although I will say in college and graduate school, I did have some posters because uh, that was like his heyday, uh, mm. you know, like late 90s, early 2000s. But no, I've never I've never met anyone else who had any sort of interest in Nicolas Cage the way that I have. I just feel I really appreciate him. Uh, every <laughs> yeah. movie that I watch of his, uh -huh. you know, you can say it's crap. I think it's art on some level. The man, the man is an artist. But does he always have something new? No, I mean, think about it. When you yeah. watch Nicolas Cage on film. Mm -hmm. Aren't you always seeing something kind of new? Yeah, you know, I'll be honest. I don't watch a lot of Nicolas Cage movies. And okay, now well. I feel like I'm out of – I feel like I'm, there's a part – there's a group I'm not a part of right now that I need to really get in good with very quickly. There's a large number of Nicolas Cage films that no one has ever seen because they are all direct-to-video. Um, Is that I like true? I didn't know that. Is that true? Oh, I don't – oh, yes. Oh, the man is prolific. Okay. Um, after you're done talking with me, this yeah. is what you need to do. You okay. need to go onto your Roku or your streaming device of choice and press search uh -huh. and then go to Nicolas Cage. Cause this is sometimes when I'm like, well, I, what else am I going to watch tonight? I will just search Nicolas Cage and see what's free. Wow. He will make like 12 movies in a, in a, in a calendar year. It's insane, but it's, it's amazing. And 
you know, and I always base it on what's on the cover. A lot of the times it's Nicolas Cage walking with uh, explosions or flames behind him. Right. Um, or running. But, you know, they all have fantastic uh, titles and just, you know, it's like kill switch. So in some ways, he's like the Stephen King of actors. Like he can put out more movies than you would think humanly possible in a calendar year. Yes. Okay. All right. I will 100% do that. And I encourage everyone listening to do that as well. You know, we're going to talk about, obviously, Dinner is Served 1972, which is your opus, your gift to the world, really your life's work. And it, it is what <laughs> I think, you know, I think once that's kind of done and it never really will be done for you, I don't think. But I, maybe maybe a Nicolas Cage website dedicated where you can really make people understand through your own words, through video, whatever you'd like to do. I think that might be your next project. And and I want to take full credit for that. I will say I do have an idea about that. OK. Actually. All right. Because I do, one of the things I do is, you know, go through uh, television shows that I love. And if a rest, like a dish shows up in the, in the show, it's like, okay, well I can make that or I will make something inspired from said show. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I may have to do a Nicolas Cage series. (laughs) Um, And I think, I think number one, it would have to be something involving peaches because I think we all remember in Con Air, the whole line about peach, I can eat a peach for hours. That yes, I, I could just do an entire series of uh, peaches recipes in honor of Mr. Cage. I love it. As long as you put after my conversation with Daniel J. Glenn on fascinating nouns, I've been inspired to do a peach-centered yes. Nicholas Cage opus, and and uh, yes. yeah, I think that's great. I think that that's wonderful. And you I'm, can, I'm you, you'll get a byline on that. You can have a byline. I love it. I'll take it, and I will promote the, the heck out of it. <laughs> <laughs> so dinner is served 1972 your life's work yeah. we talked about it this is it for you this is this is the thing yinzarella is synonymous with dinner is served 1972 now this is basically if i'm mislabeling this or, or speaking out of turn let me know but i believe this is a retro essentially it's a retro recipe cooking blog with a b and you you kind of look so the it was inspired by the dinner is served recipe cards which we're going to talk about in a second Mm-hmm. So those were a thing. That was their actual name was Dinner is Served 1972, right? Um, the Well, it all depends on uh, what you look at. But yes, for the most part, they were called Dinner is Served. And the reason I called it Dinner is Served 1972 is because that was the year of the trademark. Got it. Because a lot of things are just called Dinner is Served. So it was like, well, it's Dinner is Served. But in 1972. Very specific dinners. And I'd love that you have a boyfriend who works in the legal industry as an attorney and <laughs> has absolutely <laughs> cannot help you at all with trademark patents and all this stuff, which is what you're heavily involved with to avoid jail time or heavy fines. I, he, he does other things. Hey, if you're in Maryland and you get injured, please contact <laughs> Killian Law Firm. Uh, <laughs> KillianLawGroup.com. <laughs> For your personal injury needs. No, I. I... <laughs> All right, <laughs> with no patent stuff, which is what you could, which is useful. The law is very vast, you know. Yeah, I mean, not not every lawyer can know everything about anything. He knows a lot about a lot of things. Right. That perhaps no. But nothing that can help you with your business at all. That's okay. I'm sure. Unless I get, unless I get injured in a car accident, <laughs> you know, I'm fi- I'm fine otherwise. Yeah, I mean, slipping on a banana peel is a real occupational hazard for you. I mean, that could that could happen, and he's the guy. He'll get you 
Dole will Dole Dole's got deep pockets, and he can get some of that money out for you. <laughs> Uh, so the, the 1972, you, you know, I love the, the 70s are my favorite decade. I love the clothes. It's, you know, part of my, my gimmick. I love it. With you, this is kind of your thing too. You've got a 1970s condo, right? Like the condo you have is from the 70s. Um, I, and you've got great videos. I'll put a link to your, to your YouTube channel. And in some of your videos, you're in your kitchen and behind you is the famous 1970s wooden fork and spoon on the wall, which my grandmother yes. had. Uh, you made you had one video where you had a, a copper grape mold also, which my, my grandma, if my grandmother had it, it was from the 70s. So that's what I love all this stuff. So, so was this kind of like what drew you to the to this the actual year itself with the 70s? Is this or is this all just random coincidence? Uh, the 70s thing to an extent was a coincidence just because that was the year that the cards were made. The, this card set that I got from my Gramsci. I mean, it could have been from 68. It could have been mm. from, you know, 57. Uh, it was basically just the set itself. It didn't matter about the year. Of course, the thing that really drew me to it was the photography. And that was definitely uh, 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, I mean, the 70s thing was always kind of a thing. For for me, early seventies, you know, loving the Brady Bunch and all that, kind of love that you know wild, wacky kind of um, aesthetic. Uh, but it, but as you said, yeah, the nineteen seventies building. Yeah, I do live in a Frank Gehry building, uh, one of his first buildings, uh, and it was built in nineteen seventy seven or seventy eight, uh, I think. When I moved into my unit, I'll tell you, a lot of things have not been changed since then. I, I have the original double oven. No kidding, really? Yeah, it's, it, it works. Yeah, after over 40 years, I, I love it. And I've thought about if I replace it, what would I do? But they don't have the kind of um, double oven with the stovetop. They don't make that anymore. Hmm. And if they did, definitely not in white because everything is stainless steel now. Right, <laughs> in white. You might be the great. You might be the perfect person to ask this question. So, uh, for my <laughs> other show, I had to watch um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and the 1978 it came out in 1978. There's this great scene where the the lead, the female lead, is on the phone. And the phone itself is a rotary phone, but it's actually part of the wall. It's like a panel, right? So it's like built into the wall. And to mm-hmm. actually pull the receiver off, it's got a retractable like cord. I mean, it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But that's like only in the seventies. You can't replace the phone. It just is the phone. You know. I I have one of those in the bottom of my closet, actually. What? Are you serious? It's in your closet. Why would it be in your closet? Because when I moved in, there was one, I don't think the cord is retractable, but exactly what you're talking about was in the kitchen. And I had it removed because all it did was uh, communicate with the downstairs lobby. You know, someone's here, you have a package. And what I wanted to do, and this is, you know, very of the time, I actually put in a, a window and a breakfast bar to kind of open things up. That piece, as cool as it was, was just slightly wider than I, I needed to make, you know, what I wanted to happen, happen. So I had it removed, but I do have it, uh, in the 
the floor of one of my closets. I oh. never got rid of it. Oh my God. That is amazing. Yeah. That is unbelievable. So, I know, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. I could, I could drag it out from my closet. You should drag it out and take a picture and I will post it. If you can, if you can send me one, I will, I will post it. That was, I mean, that is like, to me, that is perfect. Brown and avocado color. Those were very seventies. I love that stuff. So I'm with you on this, this, this whole world. I love this idea of retro cooking. Now, how did you get into this? I mean, this, you, it sounds like you were just thrust into this world that this was thrust upon you from your grandmother. How did this happen? Was it kismet or synchronicity or what was it? I, I can tell you exactly what it was. And it is so mundane and, and boring. And I wish that there was a better story to it. Uh, I, I ended up with her small collection of cookbooks, which was extremely small because she was not the best cook, nor did she uh, cook a lot because she actually worked full time. Um, you know, when my mom was growing up and all that. So I ended up with them and the, the dinner serve carts, you know, sitting in front of the TV, just mindlessly just flipping through them and flipping through them. And it was my boyfriend at the time. He, this is all, this is all him. He said, why are you just looking through them? Like, just stop it. Why don't you start cooking them? Why don't you write about them? And I was like, well, that's a, that's a good idea. Yeah. So I did. I started. uh, Yeah. I mean, that was basically what it was. And it was like, well, that, you know, I, I, I like to write. I need something to do. I did not know how to cook at all, mm-hmm. at all, which kind of made it, you know, even more of a fun project because I then did throughout this process kind of teach myself how to cook. But yeah, that there was no like magical moment where it's like, I'm inspired. No, it was like, why don't you try this? Yeah. Okay. And then it stuck. I ended up liking it. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I don't know if it's boring, but it's, you know, it is mundane. That's, you know, that's not the, it is. but I mean, it's still cool. Your grandmother had them. She had, didn't use them. These were unused. I mean, I think you had to crack the cellophane on them. You know, the original cellophane. They were, they were never touched. They were in pristine condition. And uh, since then, of course, they all look like shit because my grubby hands have right. been all over them for the past, you know. I guess nine years. It's cool because there's you have this great picture on the website, and I'm gonna have it on. The, I've I've copied some of your pictures onto my Pinterest page. I've saved them so that connects to both of our pages. But you've got some incredible pictures. We'll talk about your your vintage cookbook collection. We got tons of those. But my favorite picture that you have is an article. It's an advertisement from the Prescott the Prescott Courier, I believe. It's an Arizona newspaper, and this the Arizona part is actually important because there's a cool thing on there. I bet you didn't see, but the advertisement is for these cards, which essentially were kind of like base cards for women, I guess. You know, you could collect them, you could trade them. They're similar, right? Well, and, and as long as you were someone who could drive and was filling up your tank at a Chevron <laughs> or other related gas station, right. these could be the cards for you. <laughs> Lots of female foot traffic around the Chevron station, right? So basically, male, woman, I mean, as long as you were in a car filling up, you know, your your tank, these are the cards for you. So, yeah. <laughs> I love that. So this is a little bit of irony, okay? So on that advertisement, I want uh-huh. you to go back and look at the full full page ad. But on that exact same page, the advertisement takes up about seven-eighths of the page. So there's a, a column on the left-hand side. And it's funny because that is a female-centered advertisement, you know, geared towards yeah. women about recipes. In that column is an advertisement promoting Bill Cosby's comedy show at Northern Arizona University, <laughs> and they call him the cool one in that, <laughs> which is a really fun read. I've got the I took the the picture from the original site, so it's I've got it up there. But you should definitely <laughs> definitely take a look. It's great. Well, you know the the cause was super cool until he wasn't. 
<laughs> well, I think he was doing some pretty uncool stuff the entire time. He just I'm sure. Got caught, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sure he <laughs> yeah. was at that time too. Yeah, but, yeah. You know. I mean, it was a college campus, so you know, I don't know if he was on his oh, best behavior. So, sweet baby Jesus. So before we, you know, we got to talk about these cards. Do you have the original green recipe holder as well? Oh yeah, I um, I have th- three of them. Wow, really? Are you talking? Are you talking about the box or the little easel you can set the card up in? Okay, I didn't know about that. I was talking about the green box. It's literally like a recipe box. It says "dinner is served" on it, like yeah. very mold, plastic injection. Yeah, you know. I have three. Wow, I have three of them. I have my grandmother's, and then I um, have purchased two others subsequently to have complete sets. That's great. <laughs> so, you have, how many complete sets do you have of seventy-two? Well, it, it it depends. Oh, of seventy-two, then I have three. Of 73, I want to say I have two and a half because the last, the last set from 202 to 212, I could never find. They were always this like weird outlier. And hmm. um, actually a blogger friend of mine had them and she mailed them to me. Unbelievable. Well, her website is fantastic. She's vintagerecipecards.com. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was looking at her stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and she she was like, "Hey, I've already taken pictures of them all. Do you want them?" And I was like, "Yes, I do." Wow. So so she sent them to me in the actual like envelope that they came in. Oh, jeez. Which I'd never seen before. Yeah, so I have that. It's yeah. It was like you really did me a solid. That's amazing. Yeah, I'll put a link to her page as well, just because I feel like we owe her something. I think that she's really completed your set here. That was the last year they did it, right? Nineteen seventy three. Mm-hmm. As far as I know. And have you? Is it true you've begun hoarding the nineteen seventy three run ones so that no one else can have them, or is that is that a rumor that is untrue? Uh, no, no. <laughs> No one needs to hoard them because I have come across so few of them. The two that I have are really the only two I've ever seen. But I will say the best thing about the first one that I bought, because everyone thought, you know, just randomly search it and be like, oh, it's there. Well, I went on the, I don't know if it was Etsy um, or eBay, and the copy describing the set was 100% lifted from my blog. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So when I was buying it, I... I was like, uh, you know, I should get a discount because you just. <laughs> My boyfriend's an attorney, and like I believe that that's re- copyright infringement. <laughs> so, you know, just saying. <laughs> no, I was like, oh yes, dinner is served is a recipe card set of you know so many cards that is designed to tell you like when you should start dinner. Yeah, I was like, okay, thank you. You know, you know what's kind of cool about that is you are kind of really. Like the you kind of hold the flame for the dinner is served set. It's really hard to find any information about them that doesn't lead back to you or vintagerecipes.com. That's really yeah. the last place that I mean, I can't even find the company. Marjan Promotions, I believe, is the name of the company. I can't even find anything for that. Like, you guys are really the keeper of the flame here. How does it feel? Is that a, a big responsibility, do you feel? And are you going to pass it on to someone else <laughs> at, at some point? Yes, me and uh, me and Miss Surly over at VintageRecipeCards.com. Yeah. You know, we, we we're taking this responsibility. You know, we're we're taking it to heart. It's it's really a serious matter. <laughs> I, I I it's it's a blip. It's a it's a blip. You know, I if people have fun with it, fantastic. It's history. This I'm is not history. Some sort of like weird. I'm a weird historian. You are. I, you know, you're telling me this. Maybe I am a weird historian. You are. You're a niche. But it's a, here's what I love about this. This is why it kind of speaks to me is it is a very specific moment in time 
you know, and it's a because one of the things I wanted to learn from you is did this kind of teach you anything about kind of culinary tastes in that specific year, knowing what you know now and have, you know, lived, you know, a while, right? We both mm-hmm. lived a while. Uh, <laughs> but you, We're not going to talk about how old I no, am, Dan. No, no, no. Let's but, not talk about how old I am. But you've seen a lot of dinners come and go, is what I'm saying. You've seen a lot of food yeah. fads come and go. Is it kind of cool to really have honed in on this one very specific year and what people liked, what they've put, you know, because a lot, one of the cool things on your website is you say that improvisation and modification are really the keys to your cooking because some of the stuff is, you know, it's very unique, let's say. So I don't know. Is there anything – have you learned anything kind of cool about 1972 in regards to culinary taste? There are um, some ways it was – it's just been very much what were you thinking? Why did you think that these were things that were okay to do? Uh, Case in point, tuna (laughs) macaroni loaf. I and Oof. I will say in tuna cheese macaroni loaf, in its defense, mm-hmm. that was one of the first things I did. So maybe I could have, you know, uh, done a better version of it. One that would not have just stuck in the loaf pan and you just crumbled into kind of like a heap of canned tuna and macaroni and cheese. Mm-hmm. Although actually, even if that had come out, in a loaf that probably would not have been the best thing tell that to the lovers of, of tuna helper by the way yeah it's like it's like i'm i'm sorry guys um th- no it's interesting because there were a lot of like canned items where i don't think you can necessarily find today like it would be like can of number two white sauce or light white sauce mm. it's like, well, what the hell is that Why, how am i buying that that canned and that's one of the things that uh led me to actually trying to figure out how to make my own white sauce Mm. and actually number one, learn what the hell white sauce is. That was, yeah. And what white (laughs) sauce number two is and the difference between the number one and number two. Yes. Yeah. Basically it was like, okay, so it forced me to learn how to make a sauce. So the, the number one thing I learned is that they were very, very scared of seasonings. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So no, so, and it's kind of counterintuitive because you would think, oh, putting canned this and canned that and all that, that things would be too salty. They, they aren't. So it was very quickly I realized that whatever amount of spices or salt or anything that they asked for, it was like, you've got to double that shit. Really? Yeah. That's what, at least for my palate, I don't know, my, my tongue could be completely, hmm. um, you know, ravaged from years of uh, smoking. So I'm, a, I'm a former smoker, but I smoked for many years and maybe it's that and then hot food. I don't know. Right. Uh, but th- that, but I will say it was kind of I don't know, interesting. It was like, oh, there was a lot of, actually, maybe that's not right. I was, I was very surprised by the uh, lamb curry dish that there was mm-hmm. because the lamb curry tasted much better than I really thought it would have. There were just some things that they, they were they were just surprises. Do you find more hits than misses? Like yes, more hits than misses, which blew my mind. Because oh, I'll tell you one thing that 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 really did blow my mind. I think it was uh, tuna three ways. <laughs> Menage <a> tuna. <laughs> now I'm like, yeah, no, that's and that's basically now I'm like oh god, as I'm just like right anyway, because I hate canned tuna. Mm-hmm. But it was tuna salad three different ways, and I didn't hate it. And, I, and that was one of those moments where I was like, well, maybe these people have got something. Maybe. Right. maybe. And, and, and so then from there on, it was like, well, I'm going to – because I went in with uh, trepidation for so many dishes, being like, I'm going to hate this, I'm going to hate this. Yeah. And then it was 
let's say like two years in, I was like, you know what? There's probably a 50-50 chance that I may not hate this. Well, it's interesting because, you know, I was wondering like how – like did this improve your cooking skills or – I mean, do you cook regular things? Are you so busy cooking the retro stuff? There's this great blog post that you have where basically it was – I think it was a Bisquick um, brownie, uh, impossible brownie pie. And it was – your response was funny. It is you brought it into work and you're like, well, the, my coworkers have learned to avoid some of the crazy retro, weird retro recipes I bring in. And when there's a choice between a regular dis, dish and a retro dish, the blog comes first or something. And I, I really appreciated your commitment to excellence there, by the way. But I wondered, like, Thank does you. that – did you are you the weird recipe lady who makes stuff that sounds weird uh, but tastes terrible? Or does this improve your skills and you just enjoy making some of these fun things from yesteryear? Uh, as someone who had really never cooked before – I will say, you know, it's nine years in. I think my parents are still amazed that I I cook and cook constantly. You know, making cereal was was too much. I had no knowledge of anything whatsoever. So embarking on this whole project, yes, I do know how to how to cook now. When we talked about it earlier about making a white sauce from the can, I couldn't get the can. Yes, I know how to make sauces. I can make a roux. I can make any sort of, you know, level of thickness of a sauce hmm. that you want now. Wow. Uh, with, when it comes to going to parties or work things, uh, yes, people do expect me to bring something that is from <laughs> one of my 1972. One of my <laughs> or whatever, right. whatever, whatever year. Sure, sure. And, I, I will say, yes, the, the brownie thing was a fail, but I did. There was a woman that I worked with, and every year for her birthday, I would make something uh, Jello-based and then put a, um, a man that she loved in it. Okay. Uh, so I <laughs> that's so weird. Yeah, I made good. a Jello pie with Prince in it. I made a better than Tom Selleck cake with Tom Selleck in it. I made a, a strawberry Jello pie with john ham in it wow. those things if, if it huh. was a lot of the stuff was they were actually winners okay okay which i think so, so even really when when it was doing work or parties it really is 50 50 they're either really good or really bad mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so there's no middle ground it's like they're extremists they're extremist recipes really I don't know if they're extremist recipes maybe there are extremist uh taste buds okay okay <laughs> Sure. Let's go with that. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's fair. I mean, you know, it's 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 just it's such a. I just I love the idea. And so when you got these, when you got all the the original thing, the thing that kicked this thing off was the dinner served nineteen seventy two. Mm -hmm. When you got the idea to start making them, most people would think to themselves, "Oh, we'll do them in order, or there's some kind of pattern." But from what I understood, if I'm if if I, my research is correct, number one is beef stew, which you didn't which you didn't start with. You started with. Fruit stuffed pork loin and medallions, yeah. which, from what I understand, is incredibly difficult, especially the medallions part. Why did you uh, start with that random number forty-one instead of number one? A lot of it had to do with uh, what was available at my Safeway that day. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So Safeway dictated that, the <laughs> the order recipe. Safeway, Safeway, Safeway did. Um, just what I was in the mood for. I, I wasn't going to do any sort of, you know, uh, chronological order thing no. because, you know, like I just said, sometimes you do not want to make a giant beef Wellington dinner for, you know, six people when it's just 
two of you. Right, that makes sense. That's really, it was like, oh, this is, this is a weeknight, so I can make the one that has the timeline from five to six. Got it. If it's a Sunday, okay, I'll do one that, you know, it's a pot roast that starts at two, and then we eat at six. Right. So that was a lot, that was dictating it. And then a lot of it was, I would go to the store. It's like, oh, this cut of beef is on sale. Okay, cool. Oh, oh, I have that recipe to make with this. Fantastic. That's that uh, economics is a big reason why I was pairing things the way I did. Okay. Or selecting the order. That makes a lot of sense. It's cool to see, because on your blog, you've kind of organized it in a great way where you have them all numbered and then they're just, you can just click on them and then you can read the blog entry and how you made them and, and kind of get all that information on there, which I thought was just was just great. And you mentioned something that I thought was one of my favorite parts of the cards, where basically it tells you when to start. So if you want it ready at mm-hmm. six, it says start at three, do this, 3.30, do this, four o'clock. It's got the whole schedule on the back on the actual recipe card itself. Are those pretty accurate? Did you follow those or did you kind of do your own thing? Uh, I, I tried as best I could to follow yeah. them. Yeah. Did it work? <laughs> mm, no? Some, sometimes. Okay. <laughs> I don't, so, so, yes, sometimes. Uh, other times, let's just say life gets in the way. Sometimes life finds a way. Sometimes life gets in the way life right i don't know i don't know sometimes you're just you know you're you're drinking and then you get kind of wrapped up in something or i you know I, it all depends on or i mean basically for me the number one thing was you know user error <laughs> right, so, right. What would take what would take someone it, it would take the you know an hour for someone you know who knew what they were doing to make you know x it's taking me an hour and a half because i have no idea what i'm doing right I'm falling all over myself trying to find ingredients and, you know, shredding things and all that. No, I, and they're a great guideline. I will say, however, I do think I'm getting a little better with it. Okay. I would hope so. After nine years, <laughs> After nine <laughs> you don't sound very emphatic. Like, yeah, I've been nailing it. And early on, it's pretty difficult, but man, am I getting it now? It's like, I think I'm a little better. All right. I mean, not a resounding assessment of your skill, but you know, you're making it. I, as long as I get, the end result. It's all about the journey, right? Sure, yeah. Well, you've done some pretty cool stuff because on your YouTube page, I mean, you're grinding your own meat for sausages. You're cooking beef tongue. You're cooking... I mean, you're very into organs, by the way, which is which is something. Mm-hmm. That's something. Um, and, and so there's a lot of very strange things. So you, but these things are not easy to do. So there's there's a learning curve with anything. But I'm, I was just curious if because those recipes are kind of geared towards people who you know, maybe don't know how to cook or want to spice up and, you know, do something a little different than Taco Tuesday or Pork Chop Night. I would, I was just wondering how specific those schedules were. I'd never seen it on a recipe before, on a recipe card, and I thought that was really interesting. Now, I got a bombshell for you, Yinzarella. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to probably throw your entire world, the history of this bl- blog, as you know it, is about to be turned on its head. And it's going to start with a simple question, and that question is, do you remember how we met? Well, I know how we met initially is because of school. In my mind, I'm just thinking about us uh, doing the video for the booze cruise, and we were making like the five-layer fiesta. That's video. exactly right. Poorly. That was really? That's exactly right. We were working on the booze cruise. We made a five-layer dip of some kind. We had guacamole, sour cream. It was a very simple recipe. This was for a mm-hmm. class. Uh, we went to college together. This is this is our first video production class. It was our first video production assignment. Yeah, we got thrown together, and we we created something out of nothing. We created this recipe. We were cooking together, 
And this predates the beginning of dinner is served. So in some ways here, some ways, my importance to your cooking career supersedes that of your grandmother. And I don't want to say that lightly, but I feel like I'm significantly more important. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go with that 100 percent. because. <laughs> yeah, good. I didn't, I didn't know. I don't know what you're going to say there. But I'm glad you because, did. No, I mean, we, we made more than just the, the bean dip. Whoa. We made, uh, yeah. I think it was strawberry margaritas yes. on the fly. <laughs> with, a, yeah. with a time limit and having to look at three different cameras. Uh-huh. So, yes, you, 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 Me. Dan, Me. you have been, I've been waiting my entire <laughs> life. You you started me on this journey because my my goal now is to I I want that show mm-hmm. right. Well, you once I get that show, you're going to come on the show with me. We're going to make that same dip and that same margarita. So two things on that. Number one, of course, I went through all of my videos to see if I could find that so that I could put it online. For do you us. have it? So I do. You have I, it. So here's the thing. I think I do. I think I've located the tape. <gasps> But my camera has suddenly decided, my one that plays mini DV tapes, because that's what it was recorded on, has decided not to play tapes anymore. So now I have to find a mini DV tape deck and then pull it off of there. But I, I will post that as soon as I am able, and I will definitely give you a copy of that, because I think it would be very fun to watch the beginning of your cooking career. And I should also mention that on that same shoot, you said one of the funniest things, which no one listening is going to think it's very funny, but I want to tell you that I've thought about it many times since then, and you... One of the props they had was this like shag carpet jacket. It was a green, long shag carpet jacket. And I remember I put it on as a joke. I don't remember that. I do not remember that at all. I put it on, and then you asked me if that was a real Muppet fur jacket, and I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever heard, and I've remembered it since. (laughs) And I've used it on several occasions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I had that, that. And then the other videos, because apparently no one else wanted to be on camera with the exception. Of I think it was like the two, two of, of us. us. Yeah, yeah. That makes that makes sense, yeah. right? This completely tracks. Yeah. Uh, but I had them, and I had them on a uh, rip to a the DVD, and the box that was in sat next to a radiator for a little bit too long. Oh no! So I completely I, I lost it forever, so if you have I it, think I, I would love to see it. I think I do. I will make you a copy. Uh, I will digitize it and make it digital. Instead, I won't send you a mini DV tape, although that would be very funny. I will not do that. Uh, <laughs> the other thing is that I would have. this would have been a great show. Obviously, with the quarantine and the distance, we can't do a cooking show, but this would have been a great video extra for both of our YouTube channels to do a, do a, a nice retro uh, dish, which is just such an opportunity lost. But hopefully... I can find that the recording where it all started for you, and I was glad to be a part of that. Uh, so now let's move on to some of the other. I want to talk about a couple of things here. You have a vintage cookbook collection, and I lo- I just love mm-hmm. this idea. I went through some of the the pictures on your website, uh, which is <laughs> it's just amazing to see. It's again, I think I love this so much because it reminds me of my grandmother. Like you have the frugal gourmet. You've got like several other like Julia Child, Better Homes and Gardens. One's like cooking with cheese. It's like the better fondue. Like it's such these specific moments in time. Uh, I love your cookbook collection. But on that, 
you know, you mentioned TV show recipes. You do a lot of other great stuff besides this Dinner is Served 1972, which is, you know, kind of what started it all. You've done a lot of other really fun things, including this idea of these TV show recipes. So before, yeah, I want to get this story out because this I thought was just an absolutely crazy story. But you are a fan of the TV show Hannibal. And this kind of ties back into your fantasy yeah. football stuff as well. We're going to come full circle here as we round it up. But tell me about how you got into Hannibal, which for listeners, I want to remind you that it is about a cannibalistic doctor so <laughs> who marinates and, and cooks up his, uh, I don't know, patients. I don't even actually know who he cooks up, but I know that they're people. So how did... Any, anyone, anyone he knows. And he, the possibility, I mean, anyone he meets, they, they could be cooked up. No pun intended. Anyone he meets becomes his yeah. meat. Uh, so tell me how this, first of all, did this, how did this love of, of eating people and making real food kind of come together? <laughs> and then how does this, how, how did you, how does this kind of parlay into your cool videos that you did? You know what, to be quite honest, I have no idea why I watched, uh, the first episode of Hannibal. Mm. I, 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 I honest to God have no idea because it's not like I was a huge uh, was Thomas Harris fan. I mean, I liked Silence of the Lambs, but there wasn't any sort of like, oh, my God, it's Hannibal. Because mm-hmm. I thought that the Hannibal and Red Dragon movies just sucked. But anyway, mm-hmm. I did watch it. And I kind of it wasn't because of the food or anything, but it was because of the characters and how beautiful it was mm-hmm. and, you know, the relationship. and all this. Anyway, I got sucked into the show. And it was then, I guess, after the first season. Um, I, I then actually, I'm trying to think when it, when it was that I actually started cooking from it, I guess it was season three, it was going to be the last season. And I was so into the show and was so deep into cooking for the blog and was, uh, doing recipes in the past for other shows. I think it was probably not long after I had uh, finished the Mad Men a series of recipes that maybe I was looking for something else and Hannibal with all the food just kind of like went hand in hand, but I was doing some recipes just inspired from it. And then after the show ended, cause I loved it so much. I then purchased in there. Once the show ended, they had a prop auction. I purchased three recipe cards that were, they weren't used on the show, but they were set dressing And so when I received those, I decided to cook all three of them and do them on on video. And so the three that I had was uh, pork liver and bacon, beef tongue and horseradish, and Italian sweet sausage. And so I took those three cards and I just, I was like, here we go, guys. I got everything and, you know, set up the camera and I filmed myself doing it they're, they're really great videos i mean the beef tongue one is sh- shocking i'll say that to people who are listening it's definitely weird if you're not if you're not used to that it's definitely unique now from what i remember you the you used the money you won from a fantasy football tournament so mm-hmm. you won fantasy football that year as the hannibal lecter face masks is that right yes my team name was hannibal lecter space mask I took it all. I won $800 that year, and all $800 I spent on memorabilia in the <laughs> Hannibal auction. <laughs> was that a stipulation of winning, or is this just something you wanted to do? No, that was me you know, deciding to do that because I was in the moment instead of you know, doing other things, sure, sure. <laughs> like pay- paying off you know, some credit card debt <laughs> or maybe shooting some Botox or injectables sure, into my face. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Right, right. So I bought the recipe cards, and then I bought a lot of 
other set pieces that were letters that were fan letters to Hannibal Lecter that were uh, used in a prison scene. Now I have to ask you one other very important question here. And so this is really yeah. for the football fans out there. So you know, I've never understood why people change their fancy football name every year, but I'm not going to ask you about that. I've been Funk Lord's Furious Faction for seven years and I will do that into the future. That's my commitment to excellence to everyone listening. But for, for you, you got Yinzarella. Yinzer, Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. I feel like Pittsburgh Steelers mm-hmm. fans, the you know, even people who are not from Pittsburgh love the Steelers. The love for that team is very strong. Um, yet, is that true for you? Let me ask you that question first. Are you a Pittsburgh Steelers fan? Well, of course I am. So my second question then is, how come in your videos, and I believe one of the Hannibal Lecter ones, if I'm, if I'm misspeaking, it's definitely in one of your videos, you have a Green Bay Packers crockpot yeah. What's happening? What's going on there? You need to, you have some serious questions you need to answer. You're on the clock. That was not my crockpot. Uh, I did not have a crockpot oh, at God, the time. Never, that was a lo- that. This wouldn't uh, hold up in a court no, of law. I had a crockpot, but not one large enough to fit said beef tongue. So I had to uh, to borrow one. Now, if I was going to borrow. Mm a crockpot labeled with any other team, it would be the Green Bay Packers because the Packers <laughs> yeah. are, no, they are, they are my NFC team. They are old school. They, you know, they're old school. Uh-huh. <laughs> they're very much the same vein of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And also I will say that I, I love my crazy ass ex-boyfriend, Brett Favre. He is insane. I loved him. I will love him until the day I die. Crocs and all. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, that explains it. That's a that's a fair explanation. Okay, that will hold up in a court of law. If I was on the jury, I wouldn't okay. I wouldn't um, convict you of any any National Football crimes. Um, so you're free. You're no longer a felon in my eyes. One of the th- other things that you make. So this is that's a TV recipe for Hannibal. One of the this one is my favorite because you mentioned so. You do did one for the X Files. It's a pretty simple recipe. It's a it's a pizza. I think it's like um, a green green pepper mushroom su- sausage pizza, or whatever. It's a pretty simple recipe. But what I love about it is you pulled it from my favorite X Files episode of all time, Bad Blood. Yes, that is such a great. I, I love that you mentioned the episode and how great it is. And that is such a cool. That would be a fun thing to do is make that pizza and watch that episode. I love that one. Thanks. I, I, there, there are a few episodes of the X-Files that are just go-tos that just make me so happy. Bad Blood, uh, Small Potatoes is definitely one. I, I don't know, not sadly, but I guess the common thread there is uh, Darren Morgan, who wrote all those. And I know definitely in Small Potatoes, he starred in as well. And I know that he was responsible for with the uh, revival there were a couple of very funny episodes, and I think he wrote those two as well. Wow. They're, they're, they're great. That one's just amazing. I love it. And I think um, one of the Wilsons is in it. Is it Owen Wilson? Is he in that, or is it the oh, it's Luke. Luke, Luke, Luke Wilson? It's, it's Luke Wilson. Yeah. yeah, and the best thing is when he looks like all bucktooth and backwoods to Mulder, but then he looks, you know, he looks, you know, sexy, clean Luke Wilson like to Scully. It's, it's a great episode. So fantastic. That is my, I mean, that's my favorite line exchange is where he comes in and he's talking to Mulder and he's like, y'all must be the government people. And then the other guy, <laughs> and then the Scully's like, hello, you FBI agents. How are you? <laughs> Dana Scully, it's a pleasure. It's yeah, it's a really so good. good one. Uh, so now this, this culmination of, of your body of work led you to one very important <laughs> moment in your life. And that was showing. Yeah. That was appearing on the television show Chopped. 
how did this go down? This is actually a pretty cool thing. How, how did you kind of score this? And, and tell me about your experience on that. Like me starting the uh, Dinner Served uh, series, it's such a boring story as to how I ended up on shot. Uh, I didn't even apply. Someone <laughs> called me and was like, hey, would you be interested? And I was like, well, yeah, sure. And so that's how I went through the entire audition process. Was pretty um, ho hum and humdrum, going like through the uh, yeah. Well, no, actually, I was on va- I was on vacation at the time. I was, uh, I think, I was in New Orleans. I was getting on a plane or off a plane. And I got the email, and I was like, "Well, this is just weird and bizarre." And initially, I thought it was some sort of like spam. But then I looked into it, and I was like, "Oh no, this is this is for real," which was very bizarre, but I guess also flattering at the same time. Um, but yeah, I, I went through the entire audition process, which like everything else, it's like you have to do A and B and C and D. So it ended up, you know, B, well, and also I couldn't do. Yeah, no. So it was like phone and then Skype. And then after another Skype, they then came to my apartment and then they shot the bio package, for lack of a better term, where they do like the intros and everything. Okay. And however many months later, then I ended up going to New York and shooting for half a day. That wasn't a really good description of what happened, though. I'm I'm so sorry. That, that was absolutely <laughs> awful. Let me see if I can save it really quickly. Thank, thank you. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. You know, God, God this is my know. life's work. Uh, so so when, <laughs> you, when you were on the show, but it sounds kind of exciting because things kind of worked out for you because when you were on the show, first of all, it's a cooking show. It's a competition show. And also they brought you on for a very special thing. You were It was basically 60s and 70s kits. You had some celebrity judges. I believe they were the Brady Bunch. Uh, they were some of the Brady kids were some of the judges and you were a Brady Bunch fan. And I believe you even wrote a piece on the Brady Bunch in high school. So despite your introduction and your ho-hum attitude going into it, it sounds like this could have been a dream come true. Uh, what do you think about that? Um, it ended up being just a much better experience than I even would have thought it had been because they obviously selected me to be with the Brady kids. I, I, I'm assuming that's what it was. I was on brand for that. I was such a Brady fan and still am. But when I was in, in high school and I always, while I was going through the whole uh, roll with the day of, and it's like talking to Maureen McCormick, Christopher Knight and Susan Olson, and then talking to the producers, uh, you know, back the name drop in there. Confe- yeah, yeah. Confessionals. Yeah. Confessionals. Yeah. Okay. Confessionals for lack of a better term. I think I was the only person who was really, really stoked to see the, yeah, the Brady's yeah. because one of the, the contestants I was with, the first guy who was, let's say, I don't know how much younger than he was to me, but he actually went out and they had to send him back to go back in because he had no idea who they were. <laughs> I, of course, knew who they no. were. I lost my mind when I walked out. And if anyone sees the video you can see how much i lose my mind and that was 100 percent genuine there was nothing being put on there because someone said something about that and i was like Fuck you. that was real <laughs> but yes huge huge brady fan uh growing up and then in the mid 90s when i was in high school there was the giant like brady revival uh with the with the brady movie you know with uh shelly long and oh gosh gary cole so that was definitely like 
you know, on the brain and there was kind of a 70s fashion revival. So, yes, I was 100 percent into that when I was in high school, you know, Brady, you know, ride or die and all that. And so it was something that I kind of really hadn't thought about in a long time, although definitely the Brady's has influenced my you know, aesthetic. And, you know, definitely I think about them all the time when I'm doing my 1970s cooking. Right. But yeah, I mean, I huge, huge uh, Brady fan and was actually writing about them in my high school newspaper. I had a television column and I know one of them, it was just like, this is why the Brady Bunch is awesome. Yes, we could be talking about, you know, friends or whatever right. was on at the time, but it's Let's talk about the Bradys and how awesome they are. Yeah, so no, I am just huge, huge, huge Brady Bunch. Do you fan. have that? Do you have any of the columns, any of the newspaper columns about the Brady Bunch from high school? A hundred percent, I do. Can I have one? Yeah, I can. I will scan those for you. You can have them tomorrow. Awesome. I will put those up on the Pinterest page. I'm very excited to read what your what your 17 year old thoughts were about the Brady Bunch. I think that that's great, and I love the fact. That the guy, your competition, they had to reshoot him walking out and being nonplussed by the Bradys. And then they couldn't possibly have juxtaposed that against you losing your mind when you walked out. Did you? So you didn't know it was them. That was a total surprise. It was a surprise. They just said, oh, the guest judges are television icons. And I was like, well, what the hell does that mean? That could be, that Anybody. could be anyone. Yeah. But, you know, then watching the episode, it's like, oh, I'm the only one that really just, but that, I mean, that just, it knocked me out. <laughs> Did they have to medicate you or were you able to continue on with the... No, no. But I mean, I don't know, Dan, did you get to see it at all? I don't know how available it no, is. No, I can't find it. Do you, do you have a copy of it? I, I do. I will send it to you. It's kind of like, I kind of like did screen grabs from things. There's like really no audio. But the best part of it is, you know, they're like, what about the, you know, and you walked in and I was like, speechless, I'm speechless, I'm speechless. I'm doing this like, you know, fluttering. Thing with <laughs> I, I walked that. in as the Frank I'm speechless, I'm speechless, I'm speechless. Yeah, it's, you know, very cool. It was a very cool look on me. That's great. So you really went from zero to 100. You went from like, I'll do this as a favor to the producers of Chopped to this is the greatest moment in my life. <laughs> right? Is that the turnaround? Well, it it, it wasn't, it was not a favor. <laughs> it was more like, thank you for the invite. Yeah, yeah well, very, so much of it was like, well, okay, I'll do that. You know, people were like, oh God, but you got kicked out. I was like, dude, I was so happy to be knocked out the first round because we started at, you know, like 5 a.m. It was after one. They had given us no food. And, you know, I, I was kind of like, I just wanted to be on TV. I was so happy to be done. I went out. I like then had myself a little snack, some glasses of rosé. It was fantastic. I then went to a, uh, a bookstore, a, a cookbook store, vintage cookbook store. That's specific. Like right up there that's, in the uh, Upper East Side. Very yeah. Niche. Well, was, <laughs> yeah. No, there was a cookbook store like walking distance from where I was staying. I was like, well, this is amazing. So then I went and bought myself some cookbooks. It was an amazing day. Loved and you didn't it. get to keep the apron, which is the best part of the story to me. You worked on an apron, you ruined it, and they were like, excuse me, we'd like to have that apron back, please. Yeah, it sucked. I love that part. That's my favorite part of the story. <laughs> that's, I, I, so I, I wish I had that apron. I was like, you're taking the apron? And it's like, dude, I could have just been chopped person for Halloween for the next <laughs> 10 years. 
<laughs> they ruined it for you. Well, now if people, you know, yes, if, if people have been inspired to kind of create their own very specific historical dishes, how can people get in touch with you? Are you do you on, are you on social media? How can people get in touch with your website? You know, there's tons of people. I want to connect them to you. How do I do it? Oh, well, the the easiest way, of course, is to go to dinnerserve1972.com. Mm-hmm. But you can also use dinner served 1972 to find me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And I think on that may be the searchable thing on Pinterest or Yinzarella. Or YouTube as well. There's a 50% shot. Yeah. Oh, on YouTube, I'm dinner served 1972 as well. And the thing is, though, if you don't find me through that on something, you can search Yinzarella and there's a 50% chance it may be some like basic girl from Pittsburgh. <laughs> but, you know, the other 50% chance is you'll find me and my fabulousness. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Dinner served 1972. Just, you know, you can find me everywhere. And I will have links to all of that stuff on the website to kind of make sure that it's easy to find for everyone. That's a service I like to provide for people. Gianzarella, I want to thank you so much for this and reigniting my love for the 70s, which I feel much like your initial call with Chopped was waning, but now I feel inspired, much like your interaction with the television icons from the Brady Bunch. We are very, we're leading almost parallel lives and I want to thank you for not only sharing this story with me, but also sharing the dinners of 1972, the dinners of yesteryear. Gianzarella, thank you so much for that and for being on the show today. Oh my God. Thank you. I mean, that's high praise from someone who calls himself the funk lord. I mean, that's 70s high praise. So you've just warmed the cockles of my heart. <laughs> well, that's what I try to do. I'm, I'm no chef, but warming cockles is one of my um, expertise. Uh, but I want to thank you for being on the show, and I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a good night. Fascinating Nouns is a Glencoe production and is hosted and produced by me, Daniel J. Glenn. The show producer for this episode was Sarah Brandt. The Fascinating Nouns introduction was produced by Daniel J. Glenn and E.A. Barrientos with music and sound design written and performed by E.A. Barrientos. If you like the show, you got to subscribe. I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. If you're on any podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or even Spotify, you can go there and check out the show. And if you're not, I can tell you how to do that very easily. You want to go to the website, fascinatingnouns.com. Scroll to the bottom. You can find links to all of the podcasting platforms there. You can also see the show on social media. You can find links to the show's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube pages all at the bottom of the Fascinating Nouns webpage. You know, we've got the show on YouTube as well if you want to listen to an audio-only version there. And, of course, on the website itself, we've got past episodes, past guests, articles we talked about, links, videos, everything's right there, fascinatingnouns.com. And if you like this show, you're going to like everything that we do. Go to danieljglenn.com to find out more. Thank you for listening. End of transmission.